What is up, golf fans? We are back with another edition of the Win Daily PGA Show. Uh, it's Draftmaster Flex, that's me. Sia Najad, my trusted partner, with us as well. Hey, Sia, how you doing tonight? I'm good. You know, I'm watching the match in the background, or I should say technically it's the foreground because it's in front of me. Uh, and I'm excited about the John Deere Classic. I mean, I, I think, Joel, correct me if I'm wrong, but we've been sort of, I, I don't, this isn't always the case, but we've been sort of on fire the last like three or four weeks with our picks. A lot of the low end guys are just crushing it. A lot of the high end guys are crushing it. That doesn't mean we're operating at hundred percent, but I'm kind of excited just leaning into this weekend. And then we got the open coming up. I think things are kind of clicking. I mean, we're doing well. Um, I think our subscribers, based on the green screens we see every Sunday evening, are doing well. So I hope it lasts. I th- I feel pretty good about this week. So let's, I mean, I guess let's get the ball rolling. But but let me ask you, Joel, do you have any money on the match? Because I don't know if you took my advice, but on the first cut, I said, hey, I think this is Bryson and the best quarterback of all time, Aaron Rodgers. This is the, their match to take, and I don't know. Did you go the other way? I did. I went the other way. Went the other um, way. Now, listen. I think on paper, it, to me, this was kind of a toss-up. I think it could. I think both guys um, are pretty evenly matched. Bryson's probably the best golfer, so maybe you give him the slight edge. But the reason I went with Brady and uh, Phil was two reasons. One, um, I thought you know. Bryson and Rogers had some other things going on in their lives, right? Brady's coming off a championship. Uh, Phil just does this stuff for fun. He loves talking smack. Uh, Rogers doesn't have a contract. Uh, Bryson, you know, is in the heat of the battle with with Brooks. I just thought they had some other mental things going on. I just like the the confidence of the Brady Mickelson duo. And also, I learned a lesson a few years ago that I'm never going to make this mistake again. You don't bet against Tom Brady. That's just not something you do. <laughs> he always wins. He finds a way to win. Just when you have a chance, especially getting odds on Tom Brady in any competition, you take it. I mean, have you seen him play golf though? <laughs> I, and I, 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 you know, one of these days, I'm going to get the internet verse so mad because I'm going to bring some people on, maybe Windale guys, maybe not Windale guys, and I'm just going to have a conversation, just a conversation about. Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning versus Aaron Rodgers. And let's just, listen, if you want to say best, if you want to say Tom Brady's the best, I I have no choice but to give you that based on all the rings on all of his fingers. But if we're talking about the most talented, if we're talking about the guy that I want in the last two minutes of a game, make your argument for Brady. I'm not necessarily saying that's a bad argument. I'm just saying I'd like to make an argument for guys like Aaron Rodgers as well. And I, that's part of the reason I liked Aaron Rodgers here. He, a, he's a better golfer, but I think the clutch gene actually follows Aaron Rodgers more than people think. And that's just my opinion. That's for another day. But I like the idea of Aaron Rodgers really having an advantage over Tom Brady. And that's why I expect... Uh, Rodgers and Bryson to win the match. I saw something interesting on Twitter today. Somebody said uh, from Peyton Manning that if it wasn't for Peyton Manning's mom birthing Eli and Peyton, Brady would have 11 rings because those are championships taken from it. No one else was going to take him down. So uh, I thought that was funny. It was kind of a, an interesting take. Um, but, you know, you're right. I think when you look at on on paper, maybe like in terms of arm talent, if you were to do like a combine now with guys in their prime, Rodgers probably looks better than, than, than Brady. But there is something to be said about the guy 
he, I think there's a factor that Brady has. Listen, he's also a great quarterback. I'm not taking anything away from that itself, but there's something about he has is some sort of intangible, and I, maybe it is kind of that that opposite Tony Finau intangible, where it's just like the guy knows how to win. He knows how to do things, put himself in a position to get an advantage that uh, you know other guys don't do as well as he does. And and I, there is something to that that you can't put on paper, that you can't put on a throw that he makes. Um, it's just why I, I just at this point I've given up on trying to go against them, and now I'm just. All right, if Brady's going to put, go out in a competition that I can bet on, I'm going to take his side. So, Joel, before you take us to golf, before we transition, let me ask you this. Because you're a football fan. You're a football analyst, just like I am. We both do golf and NFL. Uh, is Tom Brady going to win another Super Bowl? And if the answer is no, do you have an early Super Bowl pick? That's interesting. So, you know what's, you know what's funny? I think the answer is yes. That, and I and I also don't think that necessarily means it's this year. So I he has a couple of years. Oh he could wow! Two or three. Okay. I think he, I think he gets one more before he hangs it up. But it might not be this season. Um, I don't know if they're going to win the Super Bowl. But a team that I really like this year heading into the season that that probably a lot of people are going to be on are the Tennessee Titans. Um, I think if they can stay healthy, this is a team that's been close. They've been competing. And every year they come in kind of like the underdog. They might be okay and they overperform. And they're coming into this season as, okay, this is going to be a top team. And if they find, find a way to overperform again or exceed expectations, that's one of the best teams in the NFL. So that's the team I'm, I'm getting behind this year. I think the Tennessee Titans are, uh, are going to make some noise. Well, I'll say this about the Titans. Uh, Ryan Tannehill is grossly underrated. I mean, he, he's not an elite quarterback, but he's very underrated. And I think we see this snapshot of who he was with Miami, which, by the way, you know, at Texas A&M, he was a converted receiver to quarterback. So he didn't have a lot of reps under his belt as a quarterback in college. And then Miami throws him out to the Wolves because that's what the Miami Dolphins do. <laughs> to this day, they continue to make the wrong decisions with Tua, for example, in terms of getting him out there early. And they got Tannehill out there too early and they, they gave him too much and he just wasn't prepared for it. Now he's on the Titans. He has the weapons. I'll, I'll tell you. Let, let's go to golf. It's already been a few minutes, but my Super Bowl prediction. Are you ready for this? Are you I'm sitting ready. down? Listen, it's July 6th, okay? I'm giving you who is going to be in the Super Bowl come, what is it going to be, early February probably this year? The answer to that trivia question. You're not going to say the Redskins, are you? Well, first of all, I'm not allowed to say the Redskins <laughs> because you're supposed to say the Washington football team. Fair. I do like them to win the NFC East at plus 275 or plus 300 or plus 250, wherever you get it, because they will win the NFC East. However, the answer to the trivia question, who is going to be in the Super Bowl in 2022, is none other than the San Francisco 49ers and the Cleveland Browns. That is your Super Bowl. America, you're welcome. Uh, any commentary before you go to golf, Joel? I think – actually, you know, I didn't think about the Browns, but now that you kind of put it, they were the team that was like last year, I was like you thought they could have been there. But, like, it's really hard for a team to put it all together in year one. Now they're in year two. They might – they make the, that next step, those improvements. I can see that. I actually think that's a really good pick. Nice. I like it. Well, more football to come from the entire Windaily Sports family. That, of course, includes Nick Brettwish, who usually joins us on this show. He's doing Better Golf Pod right now. Please subscribe to that along with the Windaily, uh, all the Windaily stuff. But I will tell you that we are already ramping up all the NFL stuff. So I know we have some deals out there for WindailySports.com. They're easy to see. You literally just go to WindailySports.com and you'll see them. I think we have some like giant deal for like 44 bucks or something. But the point is, 
NFL's right around the corner. We're already getting started. Uh, Fantasy Sports Radio, we, we've been doing it. But, Joel, I've taken way too much of the time already. People are bored with NFL. What do we got today? Let's get back to it. And I do want to just touch on quickly what you said before. We have we've been on a heater. Uh, and so, you know, the, the old saying, you never leave a table when you're on a heater. Let's ride this thing until we cool off. So we've been, our picks have been, have been hot. People have been getting a lot of green screens, uh, fans of the show. Uh, and we're going to go back at it. And one of us, whether it's me, Sia, or one of our trusty listeners who come in and, and fi- follow us every week, we're going to take one of these tournaments down and we're going to make a lot of money. And we're going to kind of walk through today who we're going to do that with. So we're at the John Deere Classic this week. Um, there's going to be a lot of similarities this week to last week. I think the course layout's pretty similar. Um, the field, right? It's another JV tournament, so we're not going to get a lot of the A players. So we can kind of pick from the field. But it's good that we're going back-to-back JV tournaments because it's a lot of the same guys, right? So we're, we're familiar with them. We're going to be used to them. It's going to be a complete three or 180 next week when we go back to a major and all the big names are in the field. But – Let's take advantage and find the edge this week um, with this kind of JV field and some of the guys that we've been following. So for me, uh, it's driving accuracy. We want guys who are going to find fairways. We want to make putts again. So I know this is weird for us, right? If you've been following us for the last year, we rarely ever are looking for putters. But we've made a change, uh, especially on some of these courses that we're playing now. And we're finding that in order for you to get really low on some easier courses, you're going to need to sink some putts. And we want to find some guys who are going to be able to do that this week. See, what are you looking at in terms of uh, the course for this week? Yeah, I like how you laid it out. I mean, I I definitely think, you know, when it comes to driving accuracy, I agree that that's important. I think what we're looking for is is plotters. We're looking for those guys that on typical courses, let's say at a major, we're like, well, you know, they're they're just not long enough, like the Kevin Streelmans of the world or the Brian Harmons of the world. Yeah, they'll make the cut and they'll finish 30th or, you know, 22nd. But this is the type of course where you're really just kind of plotting along. You're mapping out your, your angle off the tee so that you have a good angle in on approach. I think the approach metrics that I'm definitely heating are 150 yards and in. I think, you know, 75 to 150, you're going to see more of those shots relative to PGA Tour average. Obviously, you know, there's longer approaches as well, obviously, but those are the ones I'm sort of focused in on. Um, But you're right. I have more emphasis on putting. I have a pretty big emphasis on approach, which I think industry-wide, I'm probably overweight on approach versus, you know, some of the people out there. That's fine. I don't mind being overweight there. But yeah, I mean, opportunities and birdie or better gain, things of that nature, Par five scoring, I think, is is a little important. You want to look at it. Uh, But this is going to be a scoring fest. So like the birdie makers, um, whether you're just looking at straight birdies or you're looking at birdie or better percentage, whatever you're looking at, you definitely want guys that can score. But the good news here is even the shorter hitters, even the I mentioned Streelman, even like the Ryan Armors of the world. And I'm not I'm not saying, you know, stay tuned. I'm not saying I'm picking him necessarily, but like all these guys are in play here. Well, wait a minute. I can't believe you mentioned him. I am picking like he is my that Ryan Armour is my isolated long shot of the week. I we didn't discuss this. I didn't know. I can't believe you mentioned him. Like that's my guy. That's like Ryan Armour. Amazing. I love it. I I actually even know just off the top of my head. He's seven K flat on DraftKings. I actually think he's he truly wasn't going to be one of my picks. I just put him out there because. He is the prototypical guy that will not be successful on a longer course, or he might be, but like everything has to break perfectly for him to be. But on this course, Ryan Armour can be pretty good. And Joel, you'll tell us that in in a few minutes when we get to that 7K range. Joel, before we kick it off, though, I do want. So Bobby Dove, who I think is Optimizer Prime in our Discord, if you're not in our Discord, like I don't even at this point. 
I don't know what to tell you. A, a lot of these guys in the chat are in our Discord, and, and I, I not only is it kind of a family environment, but there's so much information kind of going back and forth. So the like button challenge. Anybody who's listening right now, please, if you're listening on YouTube, hit the like button. That that helps win daily. So do that if you're listening on uh, Twitter or Facebook, hit the like buttons there. Maybe maybe you want to retweet, whatever you want to do. But Bobby, I do appreciate you bringing that to people's attention. Um, S Guy chimed in with the, with a great week last week. Um, absolutely on fire. Um, he's right about that. Uh, and then Josh Serker comes in. Josh is one of my one of my old friends. He's just making a, a football point here. Yeah, point taken. Uh, Josh went to Michigan, so he has a he has a Brady he has a Brady affiliation there. But we got a lot more comments. Everybody, thank you for oh Steelers Niners in twenty twenty two from our very own Stephen Pilardi at Sicily Kid, one of our big time writers. Who, by the way, Joel, you're not the only show in town anymore because mm -hmm. Stephen. Last Friday, I believe, or maybe it was Saturday, won twenty thousand dollars in a in a, a single entry. I shouldn't say it like that. It was one hundred and fifty max, but he put in a single entry or a single bullet, as people like to call it. And everybody else was putting in one fifty. Stephen just put in one, and he won first place and got twenty thousand. We know Joel won thirty thousand, doing pretty much the same thing a couple of weeks prior to that. So. Really, the whole team, the subscribers included, have been on fire. And then we got, okay, Harmon for the win from Miami Mike 305. Looks like you're from my neighborhood. I am in the 954 area, Miami Mike. And uh, we'll talk about Harmon, right, Joel? Oh, yeah, we sure will. That's uh, maybe the perfect time for us to transition. Let's get right into the field. We're going to start at this top range. Uh, See so yeah, ya. Who do you like up top? So there's three guys to like and one guy that just makes me kind of chuckle, okay? And I, I don't think it's a mystery that, that Cameron Davis, you know, congratulations to him. I think he's an up-and-coming player. I don't think he'll ever be a superstar in that sort of like Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas tier, but great. I mean, he, he did great last week and he took down a tournament, but the fact that he's priced at 10100 I understand this is a watered-down field, but I'm looking at guys below him, including Russell Henley, Kevin Streelman, and that's probably the only argument I'm going to make for guys who are going who should be above Cam Davis. But Cam Davis should not be in the 10,000 range, period. So I like Daniel Berger, but I don't think I like him enough to play him. And, and, and where I'm going here is Sung J.M. and Brian Harmon. I like both of those guys quite a bit. They're gaining in every single category, and they're gaining kind of in big ways. If you recall, Joel, Sung J.M., I think it was after he bought his house. Remember last year he was like living out of his car and like hotels and played every tournament and he was just dominating for a good majority of 2021. Or I should say, I guess it was 2020. Well, the approach game kind of went away. But the last three tournaments, he started to really pick up on approach. I think this is a really good course fit for him. He's picking up with every other, you know, off the tee, the putter, around the green. I just think it's the right time. I don't know if we're early on him. Maybe we're a touch late. I'm not really sure. I don't think a ton of people have been playing Sungjae. But I really like Sungjae this week. And I'll, I'll just stop at Brian Harmon. The only thing I'll say about him is he is perfect for this course. The only watch out for Brian Harmon is there are times that for some reason he goes in give up mode on approach. Like if you look at his metrics over the last like six tournaments, it's all green. It's all great. He's, he's gaining here. He's gaining there. It's perfect. Except 
I mean, once in a while, he'll lose like five strokes on approach. And it's like, what, what even, what is even happening here? That doesn't make any sense. But for the most part, he's crushing it on approach. He's crushing it with a short game. And he's going to be just fine off the tee at this particular tournament. So I agree with Miami Mike 305. I think Harmon could, this is the tournament. If, if he was going to win a tournament, it would be this one, in my opinion. So I like Harmon. I like Sung JM. It's not that I dislike Berger. I just am a little bit more confident in the recent form that I've seen from Sung JM and the course fit. And, and that goes for Brian Harmon as well. So Berger's fine. If you want to play him, I'd rather pay down a touch for those other two guys. I think, I think that's fair. Um, I, I agree with you. I think Cameron Davis is playing great. If he was priced appropriately at 8,800, even I'd probably be all over him at this price. It, I just don't think it makes sense. I think it's, you know, way too much of an adjust from him winning last week. Um, you know, maybe I'll have him in a lineup or two, but for the most part, he's definitely not going to be in my core just because the, of the price adjustment just seems a little too high. Now, uh, Brian Horman, I think, you know, in terms of like uh, guys to win is probably my pick to win. I'm not going to bet it just because the odds are so small, but I'm going to be playing a ton of him in DFS. I think you're right. He seems like the perfect course fit. My only slight concern with Harmon is um, I tend to dislike him better on the difficult tracks where he manages them well, he stays under par. I don't know how he's going to fare in, in a tournament where, you know, 20 under might win. Um, I don't know if he does, you know, if he's going to be able to go seven or eight under in a day. He's going to have to sink a ton of putts to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my only slight concern, but I'm still going to go after Harmon Heavy this week. I think he's definitely, you know, this track makes perfect sense for his game uh, and his form couldn't be much better uh, for someone to target. Now, I'm actually having a different, different take on Berger. I like Berger a lot. I think we're getting a Daniel Berger who is head and shoulders the best player in the field. Um, this is the one guy who would, you know, if, if there was an all-star team in sports, he's the one guy that would get votes for the all-star team. No one else in this field would even get votes. So this, <laughs> this is a guy that I'm like, okay, like this, if he clicks, he should win this tournament. If he plays well, the concern with Berger is that he hasn't played really in a while. It's been a few weeks since he's been out there. So, the form is questionable, and as the most expensive golfer, you got to roll the dice a little bit. Think you know that he's going to be in good form, but if he is, I think he's you know if he clicks, he's the best golfer, and he should be able to win it. So I'm going to have a good amount of exposure to him. And then Sungjae, you know, if I'm playing Berger and I'm playing Harmon, there's only some you can't just play all the top guys. Obviously, you run out of salary. So Sungjae is kind of becoming my casualty because of that. I, I have no problem with Sungjae. I agree with everything Sia said. His is making improvements on his ball striking. Um, I would have liked to have seen Sungjae, you know, about six to eight hundred dollars cheaper this week, which would have made me really like him a lot more. At this price, is the reason why I have to kind of shy away from him just because I want to get as much Harmon and Berger as I can. Yeah, I mean that that makes sense. Again, I, I'm not arguing against Berger necessarily. It's really interesting what you said about Brian Harmon in general and tougher tracks, and, and it, it kind of it kind of goes segues nicely into this question from INCTYC in weaker fields what type of lineup construction do you lean towards so this is a really good question because it doesn't just go for Brian Harmon and by the way um thanks for listening this guy has been uh, an avid listener for for quite some time now I think he's in our discord he actually Joel uh this is one of the guys who actually won the contest we did a couple weeks ago so he's in our discord and he's in he's he's got access to the whole site for for the next month um I hope he's happy with it I know most people are uh but listen uh Joel the thing is and and to to the to the question we've seen that in these weaker fields there's so many guys that are up at the top of the leaderboard that you just 
didn't see coming. And, 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 you know, a lot of those guys, fortunately, like we were kind of on last week, but, but the point is when you have these non-difficult tracks, these easier tracks, it's really easy for guys who are in that 7k, 8k range to just glide up the leaderboard because anybody on the PGA tour on an easy track can string three or four birdies together, can, can string a, a really great, you know, five or six under day. So yeah, I mean, technically Daniel Berger, Brian Harmon, Sung JM have a, have a, they're more likely to do that but the, the difference, the margins there are like, we're talking like three or four percentage points that in terms of like, oh, that guy's definitely going to shoot a better score than that guy on this easy track. So to answer your question in weaker fields, I, I kind of prefer a balanced approach. Uh, I mean, I, I guess you could go stars and scrubs too, because you know the scrubs can kind of glide up the leaderboard too. You know they're going to be there. But I think maybe to Joel's sort of uh, – his preferred lineup construction, it could be kind of a hybrid stars and scrubs where you're taking a star that you really like. And then the rest of it is just, you're trying to balance between that like 7,500 and, you know, 9,500 K range. So that's probably what I'm going to do. I'll probably take one of these top three guys, maybe Sanjay, maybe Brian Harmon. And then I'll just kind of like see what I have left and see what I can do in, in the seven, the eight, in the nine K range. I will say this, the first team I made up, Spoiler alert was Kevin Streelman at 9,700, and I worked down from there. And I was able to not really go into the low 7K range. When you get to the low 7K range, you start to realize you're really starting to roll the dice. In my opinion, once you get to like 7,700 and below, you're really in sort of dice roll territory. Does that mean the guys in the 8K and 9K range are like absolute guarantees? No, obviously not. But there's a talent drop off, period. At that like 7,700 markish, that there's a talent drop off. So if you can go super balanced with guys you like and, and be in that high 7 to 8 to 9K range, I'm all for it. Um, but again, we'll talk about 7K and 6K guys we like. But Joel, what's your thought here? Like, have you made lineups and, and what's your construction looking like? Yeah, this, listen, I think this is a really good question. And this is a critical thought process you should have every week of you know what's unique about this week this player pool and how can i find an advantage there so weaker fields i think there is there is a way to do so uh but it depends for me on how strongly you feel about the top of the player pool so if you really love Harmon and burger and you want to squeeze them in that's okay for me because i kind of look at weaker player fields like this and see it as what you know there is a drop off at a certain point you know low 7Ks, mid 7Ks, and then the players start changing. But I think there's a lot of points where there's not a big difference between, you know, the mid to low 8K range and the mid 7K range, right? They have to give guys different salaries. And, you know, if this was a major, they would all be in the mid 7K range. But you can't have every guy in the mid 7K range, so they get adjusted because it's a weaker field. And that's where I say there's a smaller incremental difference because they just have to make adjustments. And that's where I say, that's where it's okay to just hammer in some of those 7K guys, uh, hoping that you've got your edge there, and then get those guys that you like at the top. But that's all contingent on making sure you love a burger or you love a Sungjae or something like that to do so. Because if you don't, then you might as well just go balance with all the guys you like. Don't go fishing down below 6,500 or something like that, because those guys are tend to be very volatile. You're not going to get six out of six in every lineup, and you can't make money doing that. Right. Yeah, I love it. I think that's great advice. Good question, by the way. Great question. And that is something that everyone should be thinking about every week before you build your rosters, because that's one of the biggest ways to find an edge. Now, with that being said, let's drop down to that next tier. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of uh, interesting plays here, some differentiators that we're going to need to find. So, Sia, who are you looking at here in this uh, second tier? By the way, 
Uh, there was a question in the chat. Well, who's going to win between Cleveland and San Francisco? The answer, your, your 2022 Super Bowl champion is, of course, the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, uh, one of the best coaches in the league. Top three. Well, um, okay. Well, if you're just going to say that, i got to ask you one more follow-up question. Sure. Who's going to be the quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers? Wow. Now that's, now that's, that's a really good question. Uh, I think it's actually going to be Jimmy Garoppolo, but I, I got to say I'm a little less confident about that than I want to be. I think Kyle Shanahan is already kind of instituting uh, maybe a different offense for his his new prized rookie. And I, I think this rookie, I was kind of down on him at the draft, but I think Kyle Shanahan can really turn almost any quarterback into something really great. You know, we saw he did it with RG3. We saw he did it with Matt Ryan, who, you know, Let's be honest about Matt Ryan. He's an average quarterback, which is good. That's he's average in the NFL, which is only 32 teams, 32 quarterbacks. So you're the 16th best quarterback in the NFL. That's great, but it's not elite. So let's not pretend that that was Matt Ryan's like MVP wizardry. That was Kyle Shanahan. So, well, at least it was more Kyle Shanahan than people think. So, um, yeah, I think San Francisco is going to be really versatile. They're very healthy. Well, at least they're going to be healthier than they were last year. They were really banged up last year. I love their receiver weapons. I love what they have at running back. And we'll see what happens at quarterback. But you yeah. don't necessarily – go ahead. Shanahan made – what's his name? I don't even know his first name. Nick Nate Mullins or whatever. Make him look like a good quarterback. <laughs> you barely know who the guy is. And he, he goes out there throws like 300 yards, two TDs. Shanahan's a genius when it comes to quarterback. C.J. Beathard. I mean, he's he's the – C.J. Beathard was the other backup quarterback. He He makes all of them look good. He's a really good him, Sean McVay, and whoever you want to give the credit to on New England, those are the, the three best. And uh, I don't think – I think the drop-off there is is pretty extreme. I think those are the big three. Um, okay, so there's a big three in the 9K range, professional segue. Uh, and and the, the, the leader of the big three, the LeBron of the big three, if you will, is Kevin Streelman. I absolutely love Kevin Streelman. He, he rates out so well that I'm not even sure there's anything I can – criticize about him i mean period what what do you think on streelman i'm i'm with you the the one and this is minor the one area that he doesn't grade out super well in terms of a stat that i'm tracking for this course is proximity the long proximity iron shots um other than that you're right he grades out super well i just and it, it might be my own kind of flaw this week I have a hard time wrapping my head around Kevin Stroman this highly priced. And in this field, it's absolutely probably the right price. Um, but you just, you know, he really has to get you a top 10 at least, probably top five at this price to be paying off his salary. Now, can he do that? Absolutely. I would put him as a top five or six guy in the field. Uh, I'm just not going to be overweight on him because of salary. Yeah, and it's interesting because I'm looking at his ownership now, and right now it doesn't look like his ownership is super high, and I kind of expected it to be, and that might be because of a miscut at the Travelers, uh, which I think probably like cooled some people off. It's like, oh, that's that's Kevin Streelman, not 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 the Kevin Streelman we thought. But I just think the course fit is he has a pretty good history here. It's a little checkered, but he does have a, a top 10 finish here, I think, uh, in 2018. So the other two guys I like, and Joel, I want your opinion on, on these two. Aaron Wise is a guy I've been on for quite some time, but I have to admit he's one of those guys that just frankly, the putter just isn't there. There's a few guys that I sort of like this week that the putter just isn't there. And that really worries me. Just like last week, I think you're going to need to find, we talked about it at the front of the show. You're going to need to find a guy who at least has the potential to have a hot putter. And I'm not sure guys like Aaron Wise or Kyle Stanley really fit into that category. And Kyle Stanley, another guy we'll talk about later because he's in a different price range, but 
I've been on Kyle Stanley like quite some time and I noticed the industry is all over Kyle Stanley this week. And I'm like, okay, cool. Maybe I'm just going to jump off the bus here because Kyle Stanley, he hasn't gained strokes putting. Like he, he just doesn't do it. The last 30 tournaments dating back to January of 2020, he's gained strokes putting in five of those 30 tournaments, which is absurd. Now, Aaron Wise has similar issues, which gives me similar concerns. He is one of the more talented guys in this field though. So I kind of want to get your opinion there. The last guy I'll talk about is uh, Seamus Power. Yes, he's 9,000. Yes, that's really expensive, but he was a lock button guy for me last week when he got into the field at 7,500. And I'm thinking, okay, this field is, it's a little bit of a lesser field. So what, what, what should his price be? Probably like 8,500, 8,400. So you are kind of paying a premium for him, but I, I like him. I mean, I could be convinced off of him, but there's nothing lately that he's done that makes me think this guy isn't the real deal, which by the way, includes four top 20s in his last four tournaments. And two of those are top 10s. I mean, what's, and the metrics grayed out too. So I, I'm just trying to figure out what's not to like here. Nothing, not to, I, you're right. The, and, and I went into the week kind of thinking, you know, with, with power, it's like, you know, what price can you make in this? that kind of make me not want them. Mm-hmm. It would have had to have been 10K. And nine guys don't like it. At 9K, yeah. I'm like, yeah. I mean, he's playing so well in this field, right, where there's so many question marks. There's only – there's less than 10 guys you can really play with a lot of confidence. Seamus Power is one of those 10 with confidence that I'm going after because he's just in such good form right now. Um, it's hard to get away from him. So I'm with you on Seamus. Um, you also asked me about Aaron Wise. And so I want to I want to touch on Wise. I want to give you credit, first of all. You were the first one to when, – when he came around, there was a time where Wise always had, a, had good numbers when it came to approach and off the tee. His ball striking was never the issue. He was a terrible putter, and he got on a little streak where he, the putter seemed to turn around, and that's when Sia started kind of pumping him up. He's like, I think he's found something. We can start playing him, and we did. We all had a nice little streak where he had a few weeks where, where he competed. Now this week is decision time, right? Is is this a real deal? Did he find something that, that he really just made a change on, or is he still Aaron Wise and maybe he got hot for two tournaments and he's going to fall back and not be able to make putts? And so that's what you got to – look at for me the problem with wise this week is and this is kind of what i was saying earlier to answer that question he could have been priced at 8200 and i would have been like yeah it's a good price for him so at this number it just seems a little too inflated where i feel like there's guys in that 8k range that i feel just as good about that i can just save salary on and kind of build better roster so the reason i'm I'm not that high on wise is more salary related because i think this think there's other guys that i just think are equal that i can get for a whole lot less money so that's my thought process with him. Um, to kind of round out this this second tier here, uh, I think Alex Noren is interesting. I do think he's a little overpriced, but if you want to, if you're prioritizing someone who can make putts, that's certainly him. So if you want to kind of, if that's your your theory for the week, he's been playing really well. He's been hot. Um, you know, he's one of those guys that I would play in a lineup that you're you're looking to fade maybe the top tier and you want to get different. I think Noren could be a, an interesting way to do so. Um, I also like Siwoo Kim. Uh, Siwoo Kim, you know, it should be a good course fit. He's going to find a lot of fairways. If he can sink a few putts this week, I think he can really compete. His ball striking should be really competitive in this field. And one thing to look at when you're looking at, uh, you know, how to pick in terms of putting for me, there's guys that lose a lot of strokes putting, but then they occasionally pop and they'll have a week where they gain five strokes, right? Those are the guys that I want. There's other guys that, you know, they don't maybe maybe they don't lose as many strokes putting consistently, but they're always just at either minus one, even. Maybe they never really go plus one. 
those aren't the guys that are going to be able to take down a tournament. We don't. I, I'm looking for the guys that even when they're not good putters, they show the ability to pop in a week, and those are the ones we want to target for DFS. Exactly, because if if it's going to be a guy, I mean, at the end of the day, even if your ball striking is immaculate, like you're gonna have to putt, you're gonna have to have like a a, a hot putter that particular weekend or that particular week. And if you've never seen it, and that's why like guys like Aaron Wise and Kyle Stanley really scare me because. It's one thing for them to be really bad putters sometimes, but then like pop here and there. Like Kyle Stanley, of the five, in his, like I said, in the last 30 tournaments, he had five where he gained strokes putting, but three of those five were like he gained like 0.03 or 0.23 or something. And it's like, all right, I can't even really count that. So now we're looking at two times out of the last year and a half where he's popped with the putter. Like, that's just, I can't lean on that. Now, I will say this, I'm talking way too much about Kyle Stanley in the 9K range, but he did gain strokes putting here in 2019. So I, I don't know. I, it's obviously possible, but anyway, I, I I fear. Forget about Kyle Stanley for a second. The guys who don't pop with the putter, they can make the cut, they can finish top twenty-five, but are they going to finish top ten? And and if you're like, well, they don't necessarily need to finish top ten because I'm picking other guys who might be able to do that. Well, in this tournament, you need to pick guys who have the upside to close in the top five or to close the tournament outright because this is a weak field. If you can't envision your guy closing out this tournament, you're picking the wrong guy. Because this is the field where the Ryan Armors or the Kyle Stanleys or whoever you want to name in this like the gross like 75, 7,500K range, you know, whatever it is, that those guys are eligible here. So you got to pick guys with with the requisite upside, which which, by the way, Joel, you know, now that we're going towards the 8K range, there's two guys here that I think have that type of upside. They can kind of crash and burn your lineup. So that's why I'm like. Well, for, for GPP, it's great, but for cash, maybe not. But I'd like your opinion here. Patton Kazire and Maverick McNeely are two guys that can get red hot on approach. They can get red hot with the putter. Um, they've been really good lately. I mean, Patton Kazire's had actually had a peppering of missed cuts, but I think Mav McNeely is the safer guy, especially if you look at his recent finishes. I think he's got like four, three or four top 30s in a row. But those are two guys that I really like to potentially like take down a GPP with are you on either of those two guys? I think they're both interesting. Um, I think they're both in my player pool, but not high in my player mm-hmm. pool. They both have the ability, like you said, to pop and win the tournament. They also both can miss the cut. So mm-hmm. these are guys that you got to play that accordingly, right? I wouldn't like, these are guys you don't probably don't want to totally fade because they do have that upside that we need in a GPP tournament. Um, but they also can kill you. So you got to just kind of, Feel it out. You know, with with Kazire, my concern is that he he does a hard time finding fairways. And if that could hurt him here, they, they might, he might find himself in some trouble. And, the, you know, you might want to take the stance with Kazire that he's a showdown play because you might he'll, he might have that eight under day. Uh, but will he do it for four days or will he have that one day where he's two over that can completely kill your, your week-long lineup? Those are the things you got to think about with him. With McNeely, he's a little bit more consistent. He has more accuracy off the tee. I feel a little safer with McNeely, um, but I don't feel like he has the same upside. I don't like McNeely to win the tournament. I do think he can get you a top 10 or top 15. So that's at this price, you know, he can certainly pay off his price tag. So both guys I like, it's just a matter of, you know, how you want to construct uh, your roster this week. So the one thing I'll say, you know, because I, I meant to mention about Kazire that he's not going to be accurate off the tee. And I know we're looking for that. But the, kind of the, the good news there is that's going to keep his ownership down a little bit. It is around 10%, which is still, you know, a touch high, I guess. But the, the one the one thing I'll say is that in 2018 and 2017, he played here and he finished 30 and 30th and 25th, which isn't great. 
but it's not bad either. So it kind of tells me that like, okay, he can, he can maybe sacrifice a little bit off the tee and still have a pretty good finishing position. Obviously you want him to finish a little higher, but the way he can pop, I think he's the type of guy that if he's accurate enough, he can finish like sort of in the top 10. Anyway, Joel, I, I just, just bombarded the 8K range. Well, I want to add to that too. Keep in mind, Pat Kazire, in my opinion, probably playing some of the best golfers of his life, if not the best. So he's better now than he probably was then. So if he's getting 25, 30th two years ago, and he's a better player now, then his upside's definitely higher than that, right? So if this, if he's a course fit, like like Steve said, if he is finding fairways, the, the sky's the limit. Yeah, fair enough. I, I got to be honest. Those are like probably the main two guys I like in the 8K range. So where are you at in that range? Yeah, I, I like those guys. I think one you didn't mention that the two guys. You, well, I can't believe you didn't mention actually. Oh uh, well, there's one. There's one. Yeah, there, there's one guy <laughs> that I, I should have mentioned, and so I'll cut you off. Hank Lebiota, obviously. So, so you take it from there. I did. Me- I did mean to mention him. Uh, he's my guy, obviously. Um, but those, those are probably like my main three. So go ahead, take it from there. Yeah. So Lebiota, I'm on. I actually love Lebiota this week, playing so well. This is the type of guy where, like, when you're in great form like that in a super weak field, it gives you an extra notch because, like, you're you're taking guys that you're kind of taking a shot on a lot of these guys. So why not go for the guy who's just in outstanding form? Um, but the the guy you didn't mention that I am definitely on this week is Troy Merritt. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, Troy, we've seen popping now for a month or two, uh, and we know Troy can hit putts. He might be the best putter, you know, on the tour right now. I mean, he can if he gets hot with the putter. And, and if he gains strokes with his irons like he did last week, he can win the whole tournament. So I like Troy a lot. Um, you know, can I, I stop you? Can I stop you there before you go Absolutely. on? Absolutely. You were you were anybody who listened to this show listens to this show knows that not only were we on Hank Leviota heavy, but Troy Merritt, Joel, you were the guy that was on Troy Merritt. We were down in that seven K range, and you were like. You got to take this guy. You got to take this guy. And I think I even pushed back a little bit because I was like, man, he's relying on the putter too much. Well, he, you know, he probably probably should have won the tournament last week. So props to you for you for for saying. And again, he's just not he's not a sexy name. He's not a guy that like people really want to take. And those are some of the guys that you kind of you want to take because people aren't on them. So props to you for Troy Merritt. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. Keep going. No, that no, I, I appreciate the the acknowledgement. But yeah, I think uh, again because of this field, these are the types of guys we got to find. We got to find some of these. Uh, different guys that you know normally Troy Merritt and a major were kind of grossed out by, but here he's looking looking play and on the JV team. Well, we like Troy Merritt. So um, other than that, I, you know I'm definitely fading Ryan Moore. I just he's not a good enough golfer to be paying eighty three hundred dollars for. Mm-hmm. Zach Johnson played well last week at gain strokes, but I just don't like him at eighty five hundred. I don't like the price tag. I don't like Lucas Glover's form. If you wanted to take a shot, uh, a few a few. Looks at Doc Redman. I'd be okay with that. Uh, I don't love Redman. He's very volatile. He could definitely miss the cut. But I do think he has some upside where if he's striking it well and he makes a few putts, uh, he could be interesting. So other than that, I don't love this range. I think we, we mentioned a few guys that, that we'll have some, some exposure to. But for the most part, like I said before, I don't think there's a big difference between the 8K and the 7K range. So I'm just going to f- try and find more value in the 7K range so I can round up my lineups with Berger and with Harmon and those guys like we said before. So Yeah, and as we head over there, let's just take this question from, from Jesse. Uh, in your player pool, which tier do you have the most exposure to? That's a really good question. I mean, I'll say this, just naturally, the 7K range is gigantic. 
So it's just going to be natural to have a lot of guys in that 7K range that, that you have. It just for whatever reason, the 8K and the 9K range are kind of small along with obviously the 10K range. Um, let me think about that one and I'll, I'll get back. Joel, do you have an answer to that question? I do. Uh, I'll be honest with you. It's, it's likely to change by the time Thursday comes. But in my first run of my player pool that I've built, uh, I have four players that are tied for the top. Four players within you know, a percentage point of each other. So I, I got to give them all. I'll run down that list. Uh, it's Pat Perez, Brian Harmon, uh, Seamus Power, Ryan Armour, and, and just a little bit below is Daniel Berger. So that's like my, my five-man core. Okay. First of all, I love that you still – I know it's a running joke, but I still love that you say Ryan Armour uh, because people don't know that's a joke, and it's freaking hilarious. Maybe that's how you actually pronounce it, by the way. But <laughs> I'm just going to stick with Armour. But this is so great, Joel, because I don't know if you can see this, but, well, looky here. We're in the 7K range, and Miami Mike 305 says – any Pat Perez love. And I got to be honest, even though he rated out really well in my model, uh, top 20 somehow, uh, he was he was an oversight for me. I, I just didn't really pay much attention to Pat Perez. But you clearly like him. So do you mind starting in the 7K range with Pat Perez? Yeah, let's do that. I like Pat Perez a lot. And I think this is the type of opportunity that, that Perez needs to show up. I think he is, you know, naturally just doesn't have the same gifts as a Bryson, as a Brooks. When he gets in those fields, he can't really compete as much in terms of getting you a top 15 or 10. Now, this is the type of opportunity where he puts it together. He gets one of those, you know, weeks where he normally finishes 30th. Here, that's a top 10 or 5. And so that's why I really like him. And, and all the narrative is out there. You'll, you'll read he's got a new swing coach. And the numbers have shown his, his approach numbers have been greatly improved over the last three or four months. Um you know, he's been playing well. He's in good form. And now he's getting that opportunity where form meets opportunity in this field. And I think that's why at this price, again, if you if they if they put him at 83, 8,400, I would have thought that was a fair price. So now that we're getting the price discount, I can save a lot of salary over him and the guys in the AK range. I think he's, he's just as good a play as any of those guys up there. Yeah, I like it. I, I, I That's interesting. I'm going to have to like deep dive. I, I don't want to just lean on my model and, and – Joel, what you said, I do want to deep dive a little bit and just kind of go like tournament by tournament and see what I see. But it's really interesting. And, and honestly, Joel, you usually nail those 7K guys, like the ones that I'm like, nah, I just completely ignored him. Like, I, I like that that question came up because um, I think that's a, that's a guy that's going to get overlooked that you want to take a look at. By the way, speaking and Joel, I do want to hear the rest of your 7K plays, but I, I wanted to point this out because I think it's, it's pretty important. Like, I, I don't want to I do single entries and three maxes and Joel, you do, you do those as well, but you do a lot of the, um, you know, the max entry 150 max. And so I think when you're doing the big, big tournaments, ownership is, is kind of important and it's much less so in my opinion, in the single entry and the three max and the cash games. So I, those people who are doing the tournaments that I usually do, I really don't want you to get caught up in ownership too much, get caught up in it a little bit. You don't want to have every single guy be chalky, but you know, you don't have to be that different. You don't have to be that unique. Sometimes you're just being cute. And you don't have to be. But I'd be remiss if I didn't point this out. It looks it looks like the two highest owned guys by a pretty wide margin this tournament are Daniel Berger, who we discussed, and Russell Henley. Right now, they're looking to be like close to 30% ownership, which is a lot. So before we, Joel, I want to hear the rest of your 7K range, guys. I'm not going to be on Russell Henley this week. Um, I just, I, you know, I don't love what I've seen from him. I mean, the putting, 
and the off the tee game, it, it's been kind of bad since April. Uh, he just hasn't been that great. But I, I understand he's a great course fit. You don't have to give a rundown on Russell Henley, but just knowing that he's such a popular guy ownership wise. Is that somebody that you think maybe people in a cash game should be like, oh, I guess I have to pay attention to this guy? Or is it, or are you better off just fading it and going with a guy like Streelman who's lesser owned or a Harmon who's going to be well owned, but you know, not nearly as much as Henley? So for me, for a cash game perspective, that you don't play a guy because of high ownership. You might pivot him to cash if you like him. And then you see he's really high on. Okay, well, let me just play him in cash because I do like him. But the hiring is so high, it won't give me any edge in a big GPP. But you have to like him first. So you have to come mm-hmm. to, I want to play Henley first. And then you say, oh, well, he's so highly owned. I just don't think it makes such a GPP. For me this week, I got to, I liked Henley. He's in my player pool, but he's at the bottom of it. He's like, I'm going to have mm-hmm. a few shares of him. Yeah, he has the ability to pop. But he is not going to be someone that's in my core by any means. He's kind of someone I'm just going to sprinkle in here and there uh, in a few lineups. And, and I'll add to that. I think you made a really good point, Sia, especially when you're thinking about single entries and things like that. You know, you don't want to have all the chalky guys, but play the guys you like. Make sure there's one or two guys that are different, and you'll be fine in those tournaments. Mm-hmm. But a, a similar concept applies if you are playing a lot of lineups in a tournament um, and you're worried about bankroll. One thing to keep in mind is with playing multiple lineups, it's not hit or miss. If you enter $1,000 into a tournament, it doesn't mean you win or lose $1,000. You could win back a thousand. You could win fifteen hundred. You could lose five hundred. So I say that because when you build your player pool, build it knowing that, right? Build it knowing, hey, I want to play a lot of more conservative cut makers, knowing, hey, I might not have as much upside to win, but I should be able to protect myself from a lot of losses as long as I'm getting a lot of my guys made in the cut. That is a way that you can play these bigger one fifty or hundred line of maxes because um, that's what happens, right? If you're on your player pool, you might not win the tournament, but you'll still win money back. There's a lot of lineups out there. If they all cash, you're going to do well. So that's one thing that, that I learned when I started playing more lineups was that it's not hit or miss every week. You can still go out there and win just a little bit of money or lose just a little bit of money opposed to going all in. Yeah, totally makes sense. Um, all right, so 7K range, we, we talked about – who did we talk about to, to kick it off, Joel? Oh, Pat Perez, of course, in, in answering the question. Um who else do you like in the 7K range? I have a handful of guys, but who do you like? Yeah, there's a lot of guys. I don't want to get stuck in this range all night, so I'm just going to list through some of the guys that I'm targeting. Um, I will have a little bit of Kyle Stanley. I think C has made some really strong points about him in that the putting is a concern, so I'm going to be sure not to be too overweight because I do see who he could have a hard time getting too high unless he's really sinking some putts this week. Um, a guy I think is interesting, and and you know someone I don't think we've ever mentioned on the show, especially at this price, is Steve Stricker. I know mm-hmm. he's an old man. Uh, you know, I don't even. He probably has grandkids. Um, but what's <laughs> what's interesting about him is he's going to find a lot of fairways. He's really accurate off the tee, and we have seen like you'll notice you see him maybe a lot in tournaments on day one or day two at the top of the leaderboard, and he usually falls off. He has a hard time putting four days together. Um, but this is a field where I don't, you know, eliminating all those top guns, uh, this is another guy that I think can really compete here. And, and I think a top 15 out of him is definitely within the realm of possibilities, especially if his driver stays accurate all week. So I think Stringer is someone that, you know, I'd like to see what the ownership comes to with him. I think he can be interesting. Someone I'm off that's going to grade out well, that'll probably be popular this week is Kramer Hickok. He's been playing well. People were on him. Um, I think it's a little bit of an over-adjustment. I think we're chasing points with him a little bit. I will not be on him. I hope it doesn't bite me in the butt, but um, I'm not looking that direction. Now, 
an interesting guy that, that I do like this week, who we haven't really talked about in a long time, is Richie Rorensky. Mm-hmm. We know Richie Rorensky can make putts. We know that's not that's going to be one of his strengths. Now, his weakness was ball striking. He had a great week ball striking last week. It's not recent form. It hasn't been doing it for four or five weeks, but he has been last week. So if he's found something, he can carry that over to this week. And he strikes the ball well again this week, and he makes some putts. I think Richie can compete. So uh, I think he's definitely an interesting play down here at 7,600. Um, another name I want to mention is Ches Reeve. The problem with Ches is he doesn't make many putts either. Uh, he's a guy who's not very long. So, like, if you're not long and you're not making putts, it's kind of hard. But he, he'll find a lot of fairways. If he does somehow find a way to, to sink some putts this week, I think he can compete. But we're reaching just to make sure he can, he can put a few putts down. Um now, keeping going down to the bottom half of this range, Scott Stallings is interesting. Scott Stallings has been popping for a few weeks now. His ball striking has been really strong, and he is one of those guys that I wouldn't say is a good putter, but he has the ability to pop. He has the once every month or so or once every six weeks where he does have those, you know, gains three or five strokes putting. So, you know, again, he's a GPP play. I wouldn't go overweight on Scott Stallings, but he's definitely someone I would want to have some exposure to. Uh, and I think Henrik Norlander, another one of those guys that's going to find a lot of fairways. His putting has been improved. He's a guy who's not a good putter who seems to be putting well more recently. So if we find a guy who's in a hot streak, uh, maybe he can put together a tournament with some good ball striking this week. But I think as we mentioned in the beginning of the show, my favorite play down in this range is Ryan Armour. Uh, <laughs> listen, he's going to find fairways. His ball striking has been good, and this is a guy that's in form right now, and he can putt. And that's all the things that we're looking for on this type of a course. Um, he tends to not get you too many of those top 15s, but he doesn't play in a lot of tournaments where he you know, actually can be considered a top 30 or 25 golfer in the tournament. So I think this is a, one of those times where an opportunity is striking a guy in good form. And if it all comes together, I actually think he can win the tournament. And like I said, you know, as you guys know, I do this a lot where when in terms of betting on a tournament, I try to find one long shot where I put a heavy bet on. Hopefully I can hit it. My heavy bet this week is on Ryan Armour. I love it. I love it. So I'll go through just a few um, 7K guys that I like. So Kyle Stanley, again, you know, I've been on him, but I just, I think the upside is lacking there because of his difficulties putting. Um, so I, I I think he's more like I actually put it like when when the lines came out on Monday I actually put a few bucks on him to win out right now and, and I think that's sort of where I'm going to get my money's worth on Kyle Stanley that'll fade him in DFS and you know maybe that that ticket I think I got him at fifty to one comes in so I don't think I'm going to be on Kyle Stanley I'm not going to argue with you it, it, you know with people who want to play him but he's not going to be for me Bo Hostler on the other hand who's right under him. I like Bo Hossler quite a bit. The problem is a lot of people like Bo Hossler. It looks like him and Stricker are going to be the two highest owned guys in this range around like 14, 15%. So that's just something to to know. It doesn't mean you should be off of him. But if you recall last week, we were on Bo Hossler. I was really high on him. I saw that sort of that upward trajectory. It, it was Things were looking up from a ball striking and a putting standpoint. And now he's done it now three times in a row. So Bo Hustler's had three really good tournaments in a row in this field. And on this track, I see no reason for him. And by the way, stay tuned in a few minutes for first round leaders and outrights because he's going to be featured in there as well. So I like Bo Hustler. You know, as I go down the range, I, I do want to point out Warinsky and Scott Stallings. I'm not on them. Maybe I will be after listening to Joel, but they also have good course history here. So that's something to consider. I mean, both of them really, really solid. I mean, Richie Warinsky, 
he's not like top tening, but you know, he's made the three cuts he's played here. And Scott Stallings actually does have a top ten here and 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 some some really good finishes. So that's something to point out. I'm gonna point out one other guy in the seven K range. And it's a guy who prevented me from winning a lot of money last week because on the back nine, I think it was his final six holes, he had a bogey and a bogey and a double bogey. And on that type of track at the Rocket Mortgage Classic, you just can't do that. The double bogey is what prevented him from actually making the cut and prevented me from having a lot of six for six lineups. And of course, that's Satoshi Kodaira, who's a 7,000 flat. I do think he's a better course fit here rather than last week. Now, don't get me wrong. I liked him last week too, because I thought the ball striking was so great, regardless of course fit. And the putting is so great with Satoshi Kodaira, pretty much always, that it just made sense for me to just play him no matter what. Well, I was wrong. I mean, I was kind of right until the last hole, but the point is this is a better situation for him. So I think a lot of people will be off of him. Makes sense. I'm going to just carry on with Satoshi Kodaira. I've been on him for a few weeks and this week is going to be no different. Well, the one thing you're, you're I love, as you know, I love Satoshi Kodaira. So I am definitely not disagreeing with that take. And the one thing I want to add to that is he's a, one of the best putters in this field. Over the last five weeks, the amount of strokes he's gained putting is eye-popping. So you know he can get hot with that putter. That's not a concern with him. Um, now, his recent form, you know, he had gotten hot with his ball striking and was playing well, and that's kind of what brought everyone to him. Over the last two weeks, he, he regressed a little bit. Uh, his ball striking hasn't been as strong. It's only been two weeks, and it hasn't been, like, pitiful. It's just been a little bit worse. So it's a matter of can he regain some of that ball striking that he had two or three weeks ago and still maintain the putter? Because if so, he can compete to win this tournament. Um and if he does, if he kind of improves that ball striking a little bit, that's my point. Whereas, like at seven K, he's I'd rather him price aside than some of these guys in the eight K range. So mm-hmm. you know, there's just a such a big value. And I'll even go back to and, and I'm doing this myself this week. You don't need to max salary this week. You don't feel like you have to cram in, you know, to get as close to the, the max salary as you can. It's not necessary. You we saw last week a lot of these guys that are lower can pop. If you want to play, a guy, you know, you want at least $1,500 on the table, that could be the, the perfect lineup. So I wouldn't overweight, oh, I got to change my players because I need to get more salary on the board. If you like a lineup that you build that's $1,000 on the table, feel free to play that. A hundred percent, especially at a tournament like this. It completely makes sense. Um, let's call it out then, Joel, before before we get to the 6K range. What's the optimal lineup? What 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 is the salary of the optimal lineup? The salary for the optimal lineup this week, I'm going to say, is 47100 Okay. I was going to say 47900 So mm-hmm. there you have it. That's basically proof before the fact that it's you can leave a couple thousand on the table. So um, you're welcome, everybody, for disclosing that secret. So I, is there anybody else in the 7K range to talk about? So I just, I'm just going to touch on the very bottom. Oh, well, we, we already kind of went to Gadar. I guess the only other guy I'll mention is, is Bo Hogue uh, as someone mm-hmm. who can find fairways. Um, again, you know, at, at this range, we don't want to be too overweight on anyone. So, um, you know, a, a small amount of Hogue maybe. And the other the other 7K flat that I like that we didn't mention is Vaughn Taylor. I liked him last week. He disappointed last week. He missed the cut. Um, but like we always say, if I was there was something I saw last week that had me on him, one week isn't going to change who he is. So I'm going back to him again this week, think, hoping he finds some of that ball striking form he had uh, leading up to last week's tournament and uh, pops this week. 
And I will say this for for those of you that are going to be joining us in Discord tonight, but more importantly, tomorrow and tomorrow night, where I disclose the secret weapon, which, by the way, Richie Warinsky was the first secret weapon ever. Um, the secret weapon, of course, for those of you that don't know, it's somebody that's under 7K and somebody that's under 5% ownership. I make a pick there. And right now, my record, I believe, is 39 and 10. So it's, it dates back well over a year. And I'm 39 and 10. Like, it's pretty good. Uh, but Richie Warinsky was the Wait, first one. This is a big deal. We're the 50th anniversary of the secret weapon. Oh, my weapon. gosh. The oh, my gosh. edition of the secret weapon. This is major. This is huge. No pressure. This is this is huge. Okay, so so actually, what I was gonna say, I wasn't even gonna talk about the secret weapon in the the statement I just started. I was just going to say that there were two guys that I think I need to take a deeper dive into that I want to talk about in Discord. Maybe tomorrow, if, if somebody listening wants to ask me about them, and it's Matthew Naismith and Nick Taylor. Um, I think both of those are really interesting, kind of for different reasons. I, I like Nick Taylor's course history here. The last two years here pretty solid 33rd and 34th. And he's been playing. Okay. He's been making cuts. So I think that's an interesting guy to consider. We know Matthew Naismith is classically a, a pretty good ball striker. So uh, I'm going to take a look at those, but yeah, obviously tomorrow I disclose the secret weapon and it is the 50th. This is the 50th secret weapon. Wow. That's crazy. So I could go a, a clean 40 and 10, which would be, this is kind of crazy. So again, a guy that's under 7K, so just like a garbage guy every tournament and under 5% own, which means that not only is he a garbage guy, but he he's, a garbage guy that like nobody's paid. He's not like the diamond in the rough that the whole, the whole industry has figured out. It's usually a guy that's like 1% owned or 3% owned or, or maybe 4% owned. And I and if I hit it this week, it's 40 and 10. That's an 80% clip of hitting this secret weapon, which by the way, like this has all been sort of verified. It's in Discord every day and we do an accounting of it every single week we do the secret, or that I do the secret weapon. So yeah, I, I guess I got to pick the right secret weapon, which I guess brings us to that uh, 6K range, Joel. I feel bad for you this week because this is a brutal week to pick a secret weapon. I mean, it, it is. is tough to go into the 6K range. And it if is. you do have to go into the 6K range, it's, there's like the three guys that everyone's on. And so then it's like you're not going to get under the 5%. So good luck. You got your work cut out for you. I'll kind of just let you guys, the, the few guys down here in the 6K range that I'm looking at are Sia's guy, Roger Sloan who um, has you know fallen off a little bit in terms of his ball striking, but he's got a pretty good history here. If he you know strikes the ball well, I think he can compete. Uh, in this field at this price, I think that's, that's a fair number. Um, I like uh, a guy we've mentioned before, Ben Martin. I think you know he missed the cut last week. People are going to be off him. Again, if Ben made the cut last week and competed, he would have been $8,800. So um, it's just one of those things I think timing is good. I think there's plenty of upside out of Ben Martin. He's not in his best form, but the upside's there for a GPP if, if you do have to dip down this low. And the last guy down here that I like in the 6K range is Camilo Viegas. I mention him all the time. He's got a really strong short game. He can make putts. Uh, he's hit or miss with his ball striking, but if you get him on a week where he hits, the reason I like him so much is because he has really good upside. I mean, we've seen him top 10 plenty of times this year. At 6,600 in this field, he can easily top 10 if, if, if he hits the ball well. So um, those will be the, the guys I'll be looking at down here. But for the most part, I want to avoid dropping this low if I can. Yeah, that makes sense. I only have a few guys that I like. I, I think 
I might increase it to a few more guys I like as this week goes on. Uh, like Michael Thompson, I'm a little undecided on. I might take another another deep dive and check him out because I do think he's perfect for this course. The play just hasn't been very good lately. But the guy I really like, and I was on him last week at 6,500. We, we talked about him on this show, is Adam Schenk. Um, the ball striking has been really good. Uh, the short game typically isn't good. So around the green is not really going to bite him. But, you know, he'll have to get hot with the putter, which he's shown the ability to do. Uh, I just think Adam Shank is, I don't want to say he's mispriced, but he's just one of those guys that you could easily put into a single entry lineup and feel reasonably comfortable with. And in this field, that's a really hard thing to say. So I do like Adam Shank quite a bit. Um, a couple other guys that I think are more long shot-ish, Cam Percy. He hasn't shown anything lately, uh, just like Michael Thompson, for example. Like These are guys that are really good course fits here. Per- Percy can't putt. So that's a problem, and so that you're going to have to kind of going to have to live with that. But he is sometimes a good ball striker, uh, sometimes good on really good on approach. So consider him. The other guy I'm a little bit more confident in that I think is a lesser price is JJ Spawn, another guy that's a typically a bad putter, but the ball striking has been there. Uh, he's also accurate off the tee, which we know for for most people is pretty important. So I think JJ Spawn and Adam Shank are probably my two favorite in this range. It's I, I I'm laughing because. I literally have five guys total in the six range of my player pool, and the two I didn't mention were JJ Spawn and Adam Shank. Like I didn't think we would actually be on those same guys, so that's a good thing. I mean, we 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 see something. Um, uh, and now and now my concern is if we both got there, you know, where is everyone else going to get on them, and what's their ownership going to look like? But uh, but yeah, that's that's interesting that those were the other two guys that happened to be in my in my six K pool roster. Yeah, and I and honestly I think the ownership's going to be super low, so uh, I, I'm not super concerned about it. I, I love it. That's um, we we do have a question. I wish I had the answer to this, Joel. Um, so there have been a few times where I've had the secret weapon there on Sunday afternoon. Uh, I seem to recall James Hahn. It might have been the waste management. who had a three-shot lead on, I think, Xander Shoffley and, and somebody else on the back nine and just, just crumbled a few holes in a row. So that was a secret weapon that ended up finishing top five, but just you know probably should have finished first. Um, just a few weeks ago, I had Hank Lebiota as the secret weapon, and I think he finished like fourth or fifth in whatever tournament that was. So yeah, I've had actually quite a few secret. Oh, there we go. Here's, here's an answer to the question from Ivan. Thank you. Finished tied for fifth two weeks ago. So yeah, Lebiota was a secret weapon two weeks ago. Uh, he was at, you know, I, I think it was either two or three weeks ago, I, I, but it was like 1% ownership. I think I, I'm trying to remember, I, I'm getting things mixed up. It was definitely obviously less than 5%, but this is before Lebiota started to get, but, oh, it was 1%. It was one and a half percent ownership across most of the tournaments. Then it went up to 9% last week. And then now it's going to go up to whatever it is this week, because people are finally like paying attention to uh, hammer and Hank, but yeah, thanks for answering that question. So yeah, Jesse, there've been, there've been, I would say out of the 50, there have probably been five to 10 that have been in contention range. And what I mean by that is Sunday afternoon, they've, they've definitely got a shot at it. And uh, none of them have finished first, but a couple of them, a few of them have finished in the top five. But the record is an indication of making the cut. And typically the 50 that have made the cut, I would say probably 40 of them have way outscored their their DK anticipated price. I haven't actually run the math on that, but uh, it's been... It's actually been uh, a really amazing thing. When I started it, I didn't think I was going to continue it. It does take a lot of extra time for me, and I just didn't think I'd be that good at it. But so far, so good. And I know it's super disappointing. Last week, it was it was thirty eight and nine, or 
and now it's 38 and 10 or 39 and nine. Now it's 39 and 10 because of Satoshi Kodaira. I mean, that was the, that was the secret weapon last week and because of a double bogey on 18, you know, so that's super disappointing, but anyway, um, thanks for the questions and thanks for the answer. Not to add any pressure to you for this week, Sia, but Mm -hmm. you know, not every week and I keep in mind is like this week where this week is a better opportunity for a secret weapon where it's a weaker Mm -hmm. field, it's a low score. A lot of weeks, there aren't many, there aren't any, there's, there's no player that 6K and below under 5% that even gets you in a top 20. Like, that just doesn't exist. Like, in right. a stronger field at a major, you can't get a top 20 out of a guy that low because then none of the guys that low actually get there. So um, this week in particular is a better opportunity for you to do that. But for the most part, the fact that you have this record and you're able to do it when a lot of these tournaments, it's almost impossible, is, is super impressive. You know what's so great is that I'm looking at my outrights and first-round leaders, and one of my outrights is in the 6K range. And to me, it's an actual, like, realistic – I mean, do I think he's going to win? No, probably not. But, like, to me, it's somewhat realistic that this guy competes on Sunday afternoon. So, I don't know. Is that that where we're headed? Are we doing outrights and first-round leaders anymore? That's where we're headed. That's that's a perfect pivot point here. And and I'll add to that. And it's important to note that for betting purposes, like, outside of DFS stuff, but if you're outrights, you know, first-round leaders, what have you, you know, next week at the British Open, do not chase these long shots because they're not—they have no chance. The top guys are going to be at the top, which is not even worth putting any money on some of these long shots. But this is the week. This week, last week, these are the weeks we chase long shots because the anyone can win this week. There's you know four or five guys that you know people who don't listen to our show every week and play every week even heard of. Right after that, like maybe I don't even know who half these golfers are. So in an easy scoring course where guys can get hot with the putter. You know, a long shot, a hundred shot, one shot can win. And these are the times we, we want to take a shot on those guys. When you get to the British Open, when you get to the majors, the more difficult tracks, you can't even make these bets. So know the course, know the tournament, and that's how you know, you know, when you can take these types of bets and, and take these shots on, on these long shots. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So, so yeah, let's do it. Let's go to the outrights. Who do you like? So uh, I'm going to start with Mab McNeely at 40 to 1. Then we're going to go to Hank Lebiota, who for some reason is 55 to 1. This is, uh, I'm looking at DraftKings, by the way, in terms of the pricing. Um, Bo Hostler at 80 to 1, I think is a pretty solid play. And then I'm going to give you two more that are in the long shot range. One is Ryan Armour at 125 to 1. Now, if, if we recall, he was 7K flat, right? Or was it 7,100? I, I can't remember. It was one of the two. It was 71 or two, I think, yeah. But let me give you some pretty good evidence of why Adam Shank at 100 to 1 is the, a good secret weapon outright. And, and it's because he's 100 to 1. So this is a guy that's priced at 6,900, yet he's 25 points lower, less long than Ryan Armour, who is priced above him. So clearly Adam Shank is getting some respect with the people who are placing the bets or, or with the people who are like making the bets in, in, in general in the first place. So um, my secret weapon... That's not a secret weapon because they'll probably be over 5% owned, but that might sort of the 6K guy that might actually win the tournament. Um, I'll go Adam Shake at 100, 100 to 1. I have, I have no issue with that. So McNeely, Leviota, Bo Hostler, Adam Shank, and Ryan Arbor. I like it. I like, I love that field. As, as I've already said, I already put a, a wager in for me, it was over two units on Ryan Armour to win the whole tournament. So I love that, it. that's my strategy. It's uh, I like to take one long shot and go all in, and hopefully I hit a home run. I want to win the lottery. So uh, that's what that's how I'm playing. I actually don't have any outrights that I've actually placed yet. Um, some guys that I might mention, if you want to look at, want to go back to Vaughn Taylor, another 125 to one shot. Um, I think you know he's a guy who has been in pretty good form recently. 
Um, I'll go. I think an interesting one to look at might be Keith Mitchell. Um, I like Mitchell just because it's another 125 to one shot. And if you recall, it was maybe a month ago, it was another weak field and he was like nine K or 10 K because he was one of the guys that people were digging in favor. So a guy right. in a weak field that, you know, it's literally week in, week out. He could have been in the highest tier or he can now be down here in the six K lowest tier. It's, vol- it's a lot of volatility, but we know he has enough upside at 125 to one. Um, and then the last one, if you want to have some fun, take a shot on Patrick Rogers at 80 to one. Uh, I think that could be an interesting play. And I said last time, but I'll add one more with Roger Sloan at 90 to one. Nice. Nice. I'm a, I'm a Roger Sloan guy. It's just one of those things where the, the, the metrics don't look very good, but he, he finds a way to figure it out and, and, and play really well. He was high on my model last week for some reason. And he ended up being, I didn't tout him. I don't think, I don't think I mentioned him on the show, but um, I think he ended up playing really well. So I totally get that. Um, are we re- Go ahead. Well, what brought me actually beginning of the week, I wasn't that high. What brought me around to him was when I actually got a chance to look at his course history, he's only played here twice, but he has two top twenties and it's only two time playing. So there's something about this course he likes. So if he's clicking, I think he can mm-hmm. really compete here. I love that. And by the way, Steven chimes in here. Yeah. I think, you know, what's funny about this. So he says, see his SW highest finish is second in attorney. I think that might've been Richie Warinsky back in the day when this first got started. I'm, I'm pretty sure he finished second in attorney, like in, in sometime in 2020. And it was the first time I did him like the secret weapon thing. We so know we is, had James. Go ahead. Is Richie going to follow up on the 50th anniversary and win the whole tournament this week? Yeah, that's it's a good question. So Stephen, thanks for that. So we know yeah. we've had some a few top five finishes at least with the secret weapon. But yeah, I'm pretty sure second is accurate, and it was one of my first SWs ever. So maybe, uh, well, he's not a, he, he's <laughs> not in the 6K range, so he doesn't qualify. But anyway, stay tuned for Discord for that. But um. What do you think, Joel? Should I just give out my, my first round leaders in the breaking yeah. news? We will. We want to. How? Where's the guarantee of the week? We want the lock first round yeah. leader. I'm ready to empty my bank account. I won almost 40k two weeks ago. I have to get rid of it somehow. Who am I putting it on? Yeah. So let me give you the guys that I think are going to be close to first round leader, but aren't going to be the definitive first round leader. Let me just get that out of the way. So Hank Lebiota and Aaron Wise are both 50 to one. Now I don't love Aaron Wise from a DFS standpoint, but I do, if you, if you wanted to play him in the betting market as an outright or first round leader, I like that quite a bit. And by the way, I don't hate him in DFS. I just, I just don't think the putter gives him enough upside. So Lebiota and Wise at 50 to one, Kyle Stanley, another guy that I don't really like in DFS, but I think especially in the first round leader market could really pop. You just have to have a hot putter for one day. He's 66 to one. Bo Hostler, we've talked about, he's 80 to one. That's my fourth guy. And then before I do the breaking news, Oh, Satoshi Kodai was 100 to 1. And he gets off to hot starts, by the way, if you noticed. Even when he missed the cut last week, he got off to a really, I think it was minus 5 or minus 6 to, to for, for day 1, and then he just kind of fell off. But that's 100 to 1. I think that's just a really clever one to go back to. So that's Lebiota, Wise, Stanley, Hostler, and Kadaira. And Joel, are you ready for the breaking news here at 9.16 p.m. on a Tuesday night? Let's do it. I am ready. Who are we going with? Let's do it. So this is what you where you want to empty your bank account because it's an absolute lock, 100% lock, that your first round leader post-Thursday, post-Thursday's round, your first round leader at the John Deere Classic at 60 to 1, a guy who can get hot and a guy whose price keeps going up because his game keeps rising. It's none other than Seamus 
power. He's your first round leader. Bank it, book it, unload the bank accounts, borrow money from friends, go to the bank, ask for a loan because it's 60 to one. You're going to be able to pay that bank back and build your own bank. It's Seamus power season all day. Joel, am I right or am I right? Also, America, you're welcome. Well, one, that's a lock. So it's easy. You just put all your money on it. It's a lock. Two, another interesting thing that C does say all the time that I just want to highlight on that as well. One thing we always look for both ways, right? If the DraftKings salary is lower than the other players who have odds, there's something, there's a reason for that, right? Well, if you look at power here with the round one leader, he's got lower odds to be the round round one leader than like, what was it? I think Steve Stricker ahead of him, um, Varner's ahead of him, Glover's ahead of him, Merritt's ahead of him. And, you know, Zach Chance is ahead of him, and he's a top, what, six-salaried golfer in this field. So mm-hmm. there's something there, right, Either that either means don't play him in DFS or put all your money on the first-round leader <laughs> bet. So one or the other, I'm going to go with all my money on the first-round leader bet. Yeah, and, and, you know, looking at my model, which I don't reference my model a lot because I, I kind of want to – and I got a lot of compliments. I think the Win Daily team as a whole got a lot of compliments this week because we're presenting sort of the data behind the models, which I really think you need to dig a little bit deeper. than That's just my personal opinion because sometimes the model doesn't tell you the story, especially when it comes to recent form and, and things of that nature. So um, I, I, I'm looking at it now. Power's 13th in my model, which for the record isn't great because of his price, but – there's one particular thing holding him back last 24 rounds. And that's that 75 to hundred yard proximity where he's, he's been pretty bad. Everything else is great. The putters, you know, kind of average, but everything else is the approach is great off the tee can be a little checkered, but this guy can get hot, especially on day one. So this is, this is it. This is, this is the lock. You just made me think of a funny analogy. Um, Okay. So you know how like in the NBA, really big guy, Shaq, what have you, they can't make free throws. They're so big, and they just they just choke that that one shot they can't make. Mm-hmm. Well, what I'm realizing with golf is that the really big hitters, your Brysons, your Seamus Powers, they can't do pitching wedges. They ever the hundred <laughs> one shots that that's their only weakness. Power can putt. Power is great off the tee. His long irons are good. Same with Bryson. Bryson's long irons. He's great off the tee. Bryson can putt, but it's just those short wedges. These guys just can't figure out. They're like they're kryptonite, and it's like it's this analogy making it's like the big power guys and these little easy what you would think would be easier shots. Shots you and I can make, they can't make. Well, and, and power is no like Bryson off the tee, not saying, but but you you make a really good point, and I think we might have talked about this a few weeks ago where it's like Bryson can't hit the ball seventy five to one twenty. Well, he can one twenty five, but like seventy five to one hundred. If you look at how he rates out versus pretty much any field or any any player on the PGA Tour, he's like basically close to dead last in that proximity over the last 24 or 36 rounds. And it's like, dude, like we get it. You feel like the Incredible Hulk off the tee, but you do realize you have to practice the other like three or four shots that you have to take on the course, right? Like it's not like you can't get it inside the hole off the tee. You, you got to figure out the rest of the game. And it's like, I honestly think that Bryson is just so – enamored with himself and so kind of like narcissistic which he can get over i'm not saying he's going to be a narcissist his whole life but he's sort of in this mode where he's just so full of himself that like that's all he cares about he knows all the attention and the oohs and ahs he gets when he when he stripes one off the tee i don't i think he's so intoxicated by it he doesn't really know how to like do anything else because it's like a a teenager like kind of finding themselves and like you know, like girls start looking at him and stuff. They're just like in this whole nother world. Like they, they, like they haven't really like grown up yet. And it's like, dude, you practice the other shots. You'll be really good. I promise. (laughs) 
Anyway. Uh, it's good. Well, I mean, listen, I actually haven't been – do you have an update? Are you still watching the match? I'm not actually, but I did want to say a disclaimer to North Forker 12 just because I'm not sure how much he's been in this chat, in, in this uh, watching this show because the name's not super familiar to me. But, like, he's, like, uh, you know, all in. And, and I do I do want to emphasize, you know, after the fact, you know, it is kind of a bit when we say go all in. So just, like, just FYI, like, I do believe he is going to be the first-round leader, but it's also a first-round leader bet. So I think he knows that, like, it's kind of a bit, but the, and but that those are our actual picks and we believe in them. But definitely don't actually empty the bank account. Just, you know, put a few bucks, whatever. Or all of it, either way. Okay, so see, I'm, see, I'm glad I gave this disclaimer. This is the lawyer in me, North Forker 12. See, I'm an attorney, so I can get myself in a lot of trouble. So so now I can tell you, okay, if you've only been here the last two weeks, you might not realize it, that the, the, the breaking news thing is kind of a bit. So just temper your expectations on the lock. And I do encourage you, if you bet, to put a few bucks on Seamus Power and the other guys we recommended, but uh, don't unload the bank account. Don't borrow money from your parents. <laughs> And Steven, I don't know which Taylor you're talking about. Is it Vaughn? Is it Nick? Is there only Nick in this tournament or is Vaughn in this tournament too? Oh, Vaughn's in it. Vaughn's in it. You mentioned Vaughn. Yeah. So um, Steven, you're going to have to clarify which Taylor. Are we talking about Nick? Because I know he's a Nick Taylor fan. I brought him up earlier in the show as a guy I needed to deep dive to. This is interesting. Uh, we'll, we'll have to wait and find out. I was hoping it was Vaughn because I'm on Vaughn. But either way, play a Taylor. Just go out there. One of the Taylors. You'll pick a random one yeah exactly <laughs> exactly or, you uh, know, maybe, maybe he meant all three tellers because he did less three different names so maybe that's what he meant maybe he's listening to all of them yeah okay so play is play a lineup of tailors um <laughs> joel, joel did you have first round leaders though did we get to that um my first round leader is satoshi kadaira right so that I was, I was, i'm with kadaira and then now that you mentioned power i will also be going all in on power so i have two I'm with you. I'm not, I'm not straying afar. We're going to win our money with the locks that you gave us. I love it. Um, Joel, what else do we have? Is that is that the show? What's going on? That's it. Listen, we uh, we broke down the field. We gave you the winning bets. All right. Now we're going to go out there. We're taking on this GPP. And hopefully, along with it, they will also send us our own John Deere's tractors to go along with it as winners of this tournament. So That's uh, the least they can do. That's the least they can do. That's the least they can do because we're the champions of the John Deere Classic. So that's what we're going to be this week. Good luck, everyone. We're going to make some money. We're feeling great about this field. Um, if you have any questions, hop in Discord. We'll be around giving you a little bit more updates before line o'clock Thursday morning. If not, check out the rest of our articles at windailysports.com. We got some other great stuff coming. You definitely want to check back in for ownership and things like that to make sure you're locking in the right guys. Uh, depending on the types of tournaments that you are playing. See, any last thoughts from you? I think that's it. Um, go Niners. They're winning the Super Bowl. Uh, go Seamus Power, first-round leader. Go Adam Shank as a random dart throw at 100-1. to one. And uh, don't forget I think we're Ryan gonna... Armour. Because that's and Ryan, Ryan Armour, of course. And uh, I, I think it's going to be a good week. This is going to be a really interesting tournament. There's going to be a lot of surprises, so expect that. Good luck, my friends, and uh, show us your green screens on Sunday night, and we'll see you again next Tuesday. Oh, and one one thing we might have forgotten. Sports.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.